life is change, and you can be prepared. This is Sudden Money Insights, hosted by Susan K. Bradley. Hi, and welcome. Today, I have the opportunity to spend some time with certified financial transitionist, Laura Redfern from Austin, Texas. And I have some questions that I want to explore with Laura. I think you're going to be fascinated to get to know her. So Laura, talk to me a little bit about why you, who had already had years of experience and a successful business and a certified financial planner, why did you step into this world of financial transitionists, those who are skilled and trained to manage change? What was it that drew you to this kind of work? Well, Susan, it was already my favorite kind of work in the clients that I was visiting with being a certified financial planner, but I wanted to do better for my clients. I wanted to have more skills and tools to help them in transition. So what I mean by that's my favorite even before the transition is training, was I love working with women especially. And so often women don't have the prominent voice in finance, even if they're confident in other areas of their lives, even if they have a great life, even if they have a loving partner, they often just don't have the confidence in financial matters to speak mm. up, to take a real part in the conversation, when it comes to finance. So one of my favorite things to do has been to engage with women and to show them, to reveal to them their own power when it comes to finance. We're actually really good at this. Sometimes we just don't quite see that and it takes someone else to show them that. So the transitionist training helped me to do that on an even deeper level because it brought to me skills that I was able to practice with other transitionists to be able to help my clients in that discovery process in an even more profound way. So many people talk about enjoying working with women clients. They, they might name widows or divorce or maybe inheritors. But I think you're right that in general, in the Western culture, that um, women uh, have less confidence in general. And I know that's a very dangerous general statement, and I don't mean to get stuck into that, but it's an observation I've had in my years that like you have had. What differences do you see when women who may already have that sense of, I don't really get this stuff, I know it's important, but you know, just, just it's not my thing. When they hit these major pivotal life events, what happens then when they already show up with a lack of confidence? Oh, Susan, that's when, gosh, that's, that's when the rubber meets the road, if you will. That's when everything becomes amplified in any life transition. You've seen this, that if there is a little bit of lack of confidence or fear, that just becomes amplified in a transition. And in some ways that's good because it can bring to the surface things that need to be addressed and talked about. So part of my job in the transition seat is to create a safe space where that can be explored, where that can be lovingly acknowledged and where we can then make progress 
on building that confidence, on moving forward, on creating a better life, a better relationship with money than what was there before the transition. You know, what you're pointing to is something we have found about transitions to be true. Um, and we've been doing this work, I personally been doing this work for 25 years before it was cool. Um, now that everyone is in transition because of the cultural change and pandemic and whatever, um, we're starting to see these disruptive events as opportunities. Yes. And if we just see it as survive it, just make sure the money is right or something like that, you miss those opportunities. And one of the opportunities is what you're talking about right now. It's the opportunity to gain some inner strength and knowledge and know where you make your best decisions from, not just for this transition, but for years after they work with you. Have you seen that with your clients? Oh, they abs absolutely. Absolutely. I love, especially working with couples where, again, the woman very often, not always, like you said, in generalizations, but very often the woman will take a back seat or be kind of quiet. And when the couple together is facing a transition, it's an opportunity for both voices to emerge and then to work together. I'm, I'm thinking this almost like an orchestra, Susan, where you've really just been hearing the violin the whole time, but then all of a sudden something changes and happens and the whole orchestra can come to play. And it's just life-changing for both, both people in the couple. I've had couples I've worked with, I'm thinking of one recently, where we did a communications preferences exercise. And as simple as that seems to be, you could tell that it had changed their life and how they're going to be able to communicate with each other, not just about money, but with everything that they're going to face as a couple going forward. It was, it was wonderful to see. Yeah, that's it. I love hearing stories like that. Um, and I know that many times when a couple is working in a traditional financial planning setting, one of them will be quiet. The less dominant is kind of a nice way to say it. But that doesn't mean that that person is not part of the decision-making process. They just don't participate in the meeting, but they might participate on the car ride home or when they get home. So if the dominant spouse passes, and you notice I'm trying to be very gender neutral here because it really could go either way. But yes. with the dominant, the one who is active with the, uh, the planner passes away or is no longer there, maybe divorce, there is no real relationship with who might have been the decision maker. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons that these, these relationships can break down as a result. They say 70% of um, divorced and widowed women leave their financial planner within the first couple of years. Mm -hmm. And that might be one of the reasons why. Indeed. I, it doesn't even surprise me, Susan. It probably doesn't surprise you either, maybe with what you've seen, that so often the relationship with the planner is kind of one-sided and whom, whoever the non-dominant spouse is might feel that they don't have a voice, maybe feel that they've never really been heard or listened to. And the transitions planning, I think that's one of the strengths that it gives to a planner is not just the command, listen to your clients, 
which is a little too simple. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little problematic. Of course, we listen to our clients. What do you mean? But to hear them at a very deep level and also to help them hear themselves, to draw out those deeper things that are the drivers in money decisions, even though it might not seem very cerebral, we need to learn to listen on an emotional level. And that's that's a big thing that I've learned from the transitions planning that's helped me a lot. Yeah, that the, the listening is interesting. Um, we've all been trained one way or another in different listening or communication protocols. But haven't you noticed that when clients really hit the um, stronger times in their transitions, which take years, that their communication style and needs and preferences can shift? Mm. It's not a constant. Yes. And being able to, I don't want to say handle that, that's too that's too manipulative, but being able to navigate that perhaps yeah. is really important for the client and for the planner, both sides, to be okay with change. Isn't that what we're all about, Susan? Is to make change as graceful as possible. That's such a great word, graceful and graceful. Sometimes, sometimes people measure the success of a transition by just surviving it. Mm. Yep, the money's intact. Mm. Relationships might not be intact or self-confidence um, or um, identity might have been lost. There's mm. all kinds of uh, strong undercurrents there. And I, I really applaud you for being willing to really listen and let people shift and change. I, as I've observed your work over the years that I've known you, you don't seem to have people on a sequential path. You do this and you do this and you do this and you do this. You seem to let the client tell you what they're ready for. Mm -hmm. And you know how to help them get ready for what they need to do or rest if they don't need to do anything. Mm -hmm. Was that always the way? Is that is that how you're wired and you just have skills now? Or are you getting more aware of that, that need to kind of pace with the client? Mm. That developed over time, certainly. When I first started, I found great security and comfort and confidence in a plan. Step one, step two, step three. And I think a lot of clients do find that as well. And they expect that of a planner. However, sometimes that is a superimposed structure that's maybe not as helpful. And we have to be open to the fact that life is not linear and to be able to be okay with that. That's definitely a learned attitude, a learned skill over the years for, for myself. I've, I've, I've observed that, that with you, that uh, ability to listen and not jump in and tell and fix and that kind of thing. So you know what I, I wonder, Laura, what would your clients who maybe are talking to a friend about their relationship with you, what would they tell their friends about you? I've had 
I've been so blessed, Susan, with some really wonderful comments the clients have shared with me. I often get the comment that they feel like they've been with a therapist and to make it clear I'm not trained in therapy. But I think the essential part they're trying to communicate with that comment is going back to having listened, that they feel really heard. Sometimes clients share with me, I've never told this to anybody. <laughs> I can imagine. And I think that's great because they obviously had something on their mind or in their heart that they needed to work through. So providing a safe space is very important to me that every client, when they come in, they know they can be there warts and all, and we're going to be okay. And we're going to work through it. So in that aspect, they, I do often get the comment that I, they feel like they've been to a therapy session in a good way. Yeah. In a, in, in a good way. I think it's so rare to be listened to in the world mm -hmm. we live in. Everybody's telling. And I don't think we're really taught how to listen mm. as, as children. Listen, I told you to do this. You know, in other words, I say you do. But to really listen to uh, another perspective or feelings or observations or needs and to allow and honor that, not just allow it, but to, but to honor it. Um, so many CEFTs, and I bet you have the same experience, say that if you allow a client to keep talking, eventually they get to the really important stuff. That is so true. That is keep so asking true. another question. What question do you ask to have, encourage people to tell you more? Sometimes I'll just use that, tell me more. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm really curious about that. Yeah, very simple things that nothing that feels manipulative, like I'm trying to get them to talk more, but just being genuine and whatever they've told me, I, it's always the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? Some, some comment will always be the tip and I'm curious, what's the iceberg? What's underneath? So I'll ask something about that. Tell me more. How did you feel about that? What did you think? What did you do next? Yeah, not the yes, no questions. Is there anything else? Nope. <laughs> you know, that doesn't work. You're doing the easy. appreciative inquiry uh, version of, of listening or the deep, the deep listening as you go. You know, we say at the Financial Transitionist Institute that transitions expertise matters. And we make, which we think is a, the legit claim that we are, we train the experts. We have the only training specifically in the human side of uh, financial transition events. You went through a fair amount to get to here, to the, the training. It's, it's not easy, I, I know. Do you think that your clients would, re would recognize you as a transition or a change expert? Or do the attorneys or CPAs that know of your work through your clients, do they recognize you as an expert in that? I don't think they do until they experience a transition. Mm -hmm. And then they understand what that means, what that looks like and how much they 
appreciate the expertise and the guide. I think all my clients are very appreciative of the work that we do, the financial plans, the asset allocation conversations, but that's all very cerebral. I, I think the experiential part is what's really, really key. And so often clients will come looking for that cerebral part, the day-to-day, -day, the management of numbers and columns and decimal points, and that's fine. But then they might hit a transition. Well, I shouldn't even say might, should I, Susan? Everyone does at some <laughs> point. Everyone does at some point in their life where they hit a transition and that's, that's the door is that if they have the courage to mention it and to speak up and to seek help, they then discover, wow, this isn't as scary or daunting as I thought it was. I have someone I can talk to who can help, who I can rely on and I can trust. I can't think of anything more important than to have someone that you trust to have your back and to help you rest when you need to rest and get ready to make the big decisions one at a time so that you can shape the next part of your life. We all know the transitions, some are welcomed and some are regrettable, some you plan for, some just happen, but there's a consistency throughout. Can you name one or two things that's consistent in the human experience that we all have of going through change that seems to show up, whether it's a good event or a bad event planned or just happened? The first thing that immediately came to my mind, Susan, was the feeling of, uh, am I going crazy? Hmm. Is, is this even normal? Normalization is probably the most important thing that we talk about as transitionists. And the, the diagram that you have with the, the bubbles, the stages of transition, oh my goodness, that's gold. Anyone who is in transition feels that, but they don't really have a language or way to communicate how that feels. And because it's different from what we've experienced in the past, we think that it's wrong or yeah. weird or problematic, but it doesn't have to be. So normalizing, I think, is the commonality with all transitions is to be able to ground and realize, you know, this doesn't feel so great, but what I'm going through is actually normal and it's okay and I will survive. Yeah. You know, we say that uh, term normalize and you hear about making it feel like it's okay, which is nice. And really your next door neighbor could say, oh, I hear that that's kind of normal for whatever, people who retire or people who get divorced. Mm -hmm. But you go beyond that. You see that as a trait, maybe, or behavior, but then you know how to help people move once they've normalized because that's when their brain starts to calm down they have more of a calm mind and then from there you can move them through their decision making process based on what needs to be done right away and what doesn't that's a big difference don't you think absolutely because when you're in transition and you're feeling all of those emotions part of what gets dulled is your ability to prioritize everything seems important, or maybe you're numb and nothing seems important. 
or somewhere in between those two extremes. So having someone who can have an outside perspective, who's not going through the transition at the same time and can say, oh, have you considered this? That can be extremely helpful and prevent bad irrevocable decisions. Yeah, um, I don't want to say bad, regrettable perhaps decisions. Sometimes bad. <laughs> sometimes I think bad, bad ends up when it hurts other people that you don't intend to do anything but to take care of. Um, I always get more concerned, not necessarily more, but I am concerned about relationships mm -hmm. yes. and change. And um, sometimes it's just the helping people have the capacity to kind of cool it for a while mm -hmm. and not make a decree or a choice or to reject something to give people time to adapt. Um, how long do you think transitions take? Oh, much, much longer than we realize or than we think they will be. I was working with a client recently who we'd been working for about a year and he has made great progress and he's really on his way. And so he thought he was done. <laughs> and I had to remind him, this is, this is great, but please be gentle with yourself because this is going to be a little longer. There's more to do. There's more to go through. So transitions take years before we really feel that we are on the other side again and operating in a new normal. I, I hesitate to use that, but that's the term that we use. Well, it is. It's a term that actually comes from um, the, the science of transition management, um, Bill Bridges' work, he's the originator that uh, we would go back to back in the late 70s, early 80s, and he called it a, a new normal. We in the financial world uh, look at the preparation or anticipation stage, the ending of all the details and all, and then that passage and that new normal is, it's great. It's kind of like, you're really lucky if you get to spend time on that plateau of status quo, because life mm -hmm. seems to be moving so quickly. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you for all that you are doing for your clients. I know that you make a huge difference in each individual's life. Oh. And I love to see the joy on your face when you're talking about it or you're trying to figure out something for a client, you really dig in and you're, you're willing to acquire more and more um, wisdom, skill, tool, experience um, on your own and, and with others in, in the community here. So I think you're one of the great points of light uh, in the world, one, one client at a time. You don't even have to think about that. That's just what you do. So I, for one, want to thank you for that. And thank you for your time. This is Susan Bradley. So honored to have had the opportunity to spend time with Laura Redfern. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Susan. I'm so honored to be with you and you sharing your light because you are the beacon that has lit up all of us. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you.